Hey everyone, welcome to Pieces of You, a show about life through the lens of four fierce and resilient women who lost their moms too damn soon. Each episode will feature stories to inspire hope, healing, and connection. Because if we work together, we can make the broken better. Hey everyone, this is Christine. I am here today with my amazing co-hosts, Shadia, Sarah, and Erin. And we are going to be talking all about dads. This episode contains a content warning related to the topic of mother loss. Please check the show notes for a more detailed description. So welcome, everyone. How are you all doing today? Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly that. I probably have the most anxiety that I've had about an episode. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Like the person who's still in most of our lives, like the person who's alive, it still has the most anxiety versus talking actually about my mom. I think that's part of the reason why I have so much anxiety because he's still here. He's still alive, still in my life, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Is there concern about dad's hearing this episode? Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's exactly what's on my mind right now is that I want to protect him and Mm. also not hurt his feelings because like I know he did the best he could, but there are still definite things that happen that are really hard to still deal with. Yeah. I'm already crying. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. Well, I just want to offer before we get started that I'm really hopeful that all of us sharing today will not only be healing for ourselves and each other, but for the people that are listening as well. There's just something about knowing that you're not alone. As I said, today we're going to explore our relationships with our dads. In a few moments, I'm actually going to invite each of my amazing co-hosts to share about their unique relationships with their dads, sort of like a mini version of our mini episodes, but dad-focused. Before I do that, though, I do want to acknowledge that not all girls who experience early mother loss have a surviving parent who is a dad. It's possible that the surviving parent is another mom or grandparent or other family member, or sometimes there is no one at all. But for our purposes today, because we all had surviving fathers after our moms died, we are going to specifically talk about our dads. I also think it's worthwhile to note that through She Climbs Mountains, the nonprofit that serves motherless daughters in the Twin Cities, and our work with motherless daughters through the organization, all of us, all four of us have had literally hundreds of conversations about dads between us. Um, And we have discussed the often complicated dynamics that can arise in this relationship after the death of our moms. So I just want to acknowledge that we all are aware and know of so many of you um, that may struggle in this relationship. So I know it might feel a little intimidating for each of you um, to have me invite you to talk about your dads. Um, It's a little different for me just because my dad died a little over 10 years ago. Um, But I am going to start by modeling how I'd like you all to share today. 
So I'm going to share about my dad and I'm going to provide some context around that relationship. So I want to, I'm going to start by talking about what it was like um, before my mom died, um, how it was when she died, and then after. And again, now, um, you know, he's still with me uh, for sure in my life, but not actually physically, as I mentioned, because he died. It's this feels a little awkward for me to start myself, but uh, I was I was asked to model this, so I'm going to do it. Um, okay, so my dad's name is Michael. He was a college professor. He was a John Steinbeck scholar, and he was a very intelligent person. He was like that guy who came home after work and turned on Jeopardy. And, you know, and he just, <laughs> he knew all the answers. Like, he was that guy. He should have been on that show. He would have won a lot of money. Before my mom died, I feel like my relationship with him was just neutral. Um, my mom was definitely the go-to person um, for parenting and nurturing. He was present, but he was also very busy because he was constantly in school getting his degrees as I was growing up. So he got his PhD not long before my mom got diagnosed with cancer. So there was a lot of schooling. Um, he worked second jobs so to help him get through um, school. He was a high school English teacher before he became a college professor. He also was really into musicals. And so he was very talented in that area. And so he directed all of the school plays and school musicals at the high school he worked at. So he was very consumed with that as well. Like I said, I really remember my mom being the go-to um, and he was present, but I, he wasn't someone that I looked to for any sort of nurturing. And he, he didn't really discipline either. That was my mom as well. You know, when my mom died, I, I you know, I've shared in previous episodes I feel like it was an opportunity for him to really explore who he really was. And then I think I, what was revealed to me was the extent of his self-centeredness and his narcissism. I think that while my mom, like, she kind of masked that my dad was always very self-focused, but when she was gone, you couldn't mask it anymore, right? As I was saying, I think my mom dying just really revealed who my dad really was. And and so when she died, he was really incapable of being present for me in the way that I needed as a 15-year-old girl. And he really dove into his own wants and needs and pursuing his interests and his desires. Um, and unfortunately, that was to the detriment of me. I do have two older brothers, but they they were older and not living in the home anymore. So they were in college. So it was, it was really me alone at home with my dad. I'll give an example of just a couple of months after my mom died. She died in April, middle of April. And that summer, my dad had an opportunity to go out west for a Steinbeck convention. And then it was like six weeks that he was going to be gone you know, so really about six weeks after my mom died, he left for six weeks. And um, my paternal grandfather and my step-grandma came and stayed with me. I really didn't have a relationship with them. They lived in Washington State after my paternal grandmother died when I was like four. So 
it was very awkward and terrible. I want to share that because I think it's kind of indicative of where he was at. It was like he just left, you know, physically left and, and emotionally left, and he checked out. And so I know I shared in a previous episode about boundaries, about some of the things he was involved in and, you know, with his sexuality and kind of how that that really impacted me in a negative way. But there for sure was a role reversal that happened between us where he really wasn't able to be present for me uh, around my relationship with my mom and that loss, but somehow I was expected to be present for him and support him emotionally. I shared a little earlier with everyone off off air that, you know, I've never been so angry in my life than with my dad. And it, it just got worse and worse and worse through my 20s. There were so many attempts for me to reconcile with him and, and ask him to get help so that we could have a relationship um, and that my brothers could have a relationship with him. And he just couldn't, he couldn't do that work. So ultimately, we were estranged for about a year and a half before he died. I didn't know he was going to die. But that was really the final boundary that I set with him um, and asking him to get help and telling him he either needs to get help or he can't be in my life and my family's life. And, you know, as always, he just couldn't, he couldn't show up. So I feel like my relationship's a little different than the rest of you, and, and especially in that my dad is now gone but certainly an example of how it can play out. And I think I think it's not atypical for dads to really struggle with knowing how to show up and knowing how to really be present for their grieving children after the loss of a mom. So I think that's all I'm going to share now. I hope that helps for modeling, like I said. And now I'm going to ask Sarah, would you please share about your dad? Again, if you can provide some context around the relationship by beginning before your mom died and then and then what you remember. I know you were really young, uh, but what you remember after that. <sighs> okay. Thank you so much for sharing, Christine. I want to just acknowledge like how difficult it is while we're recording to take in what even all of you are saying because the anxiety is so high. And so it's when I go back and listen to our episodes after either while they're being edited or after that I I really process, I think, most of what we even talk about. Similar to Shadia, I'm realizing like this is the first time I've shared a lot about my dad to people other than like my very, very immediate family. But I've been doing this processing work for a while now because it became really clear to me in my last relationship, like intimate relationship, that my relationship with my dad might be the source of some like unhealthy kind of patterns. So I I wasn't, I guess, maybe fully like conscious of that at the time. But I I do think that's what kind of drew me into therapy at that time because my romantic relationship had gotten really dysfunctional and toxic. And um, I was like, well, I know as someone who studies psychology, it's probably like a parent thing that's going on. And lo and behold, I like stepped into the therapy room and I just started bawling. I somehow like shared that I felt like I could never share my true feelings with my dad, Um, like my sadness, my pain. Like I I wouldn't, I'm not able to do that. And in my head, it made so much sense. I'm like, why would anyone ask me why? Like, obviously, I can't do that. 
But the therapist, you know, being like, this is why you go to therapy, it was just very like genuinely curious and like compassionately like, well, what, what do you mean? Like, why can't you tell him? Like, what would, what would happen? And I was like, it would kill him. He would literally die. Like that is, and those words came out of my mouth as though they were facts. And it wasn't until like I heard myself say that, that I was like, wait, that has, and like, it's crazy because to this day, it still does have truth to it. Like this is the experience I've had kind of recently is like, I will share my truth with my dad or my family and um, emotionally. It's not that he's like, cruel or evil or like doesn't want to like me to be who I am but I think that we are so like enmeshed in a way from a young age that like it's he can't tolerate I think knowing I still haven't figured it out but when I whenever I'm like brutally honest or um just go through a natural like life transition Whereas, you know, a lot of parents have a hard time adjusting and that might be stressful, you know, sending their kid off to college or whatnot. For my dad, it's literally like a mental breakdown, like he's hospitalized. And so it does feel like an actual threat to his health for me to simply be the human I am. So that's been really hard. And sharing about him is really hard. But I feel like I had to kind of say that before I talked about him a little bit. And I mean, like Christine had said, you know, I was really young when my mom died. And so the before and after is very blurred of my relationship with him, at least early on. So she had died, but I was still very young, um, maybe like six or something or seven years old. And just for those who don't know, my mom died when I was four and a half. So it was a few years after she had died. My dad in the middle of the night picks me up out of my bed in my blankets, like I'm in like a comforter. <laughs> Christine looks concerned. Don't worry. I mean, in retrospect, um, yeah, probably it's not the greatest parenting, but you'll get to see where I'm going with this. So he swoops me up out of my bed in my comforter. I'm like the coziest as can be. He sets me in the front seat and he says, I mean, and he before he does this, he tells me like, we're going to go to McDonald's. And I was like, so excited. He basically took me, we got to go to McDonald's. I was in a, like a big comforter and I got to eat ice cream and like have a happy meal. And that kind of sums up. I think that's really the only story I need to share to like kind of explain my relationship with my dad. That would have been after my mom died, like only. I don't think she would have, that would have ever happened when she was alive. But my dad was very much like a playful, like fun only rule is have fun kind of guy. Like, he just wanted me to be happy. Unfortunately, and I didn't learn this until much later, um, but there were signs that I now like, can go back and see that like indicated he struggled so badly with his own mental health, um, with depression, anxiety, eventually diagnosed as schizoaffective disorder, which as someone who's now like studied psychology, like understands that's like one of the most shitty diagnoses a person can get in terms of just like a multitude of it's basically just like a blanket statement for a lot of different challenges people face like I said anxiety depression I think bipolar is in there and um, you can have like psychotic symptoms as well so for some people that's like delusional thinking so like thinking things 
that aren't real, which now as an adult, I realize is very subjective. That I still am like, I question sometimes like what's delusional and what's not. But his was, yeah, definitely. Well, okay, so you can have the thinking, but you can also like literally hear things or literally see things. Um, He didn't have as far as I'm aware either of those. It was more like this idea that we were going to get rich quick. Like he would always share these like ideas he had and tell me that we were going to be millionaires from this idea. And I would get so excited because as a kid, my imagination was just like, still is like very vivid, but it would just run wild with this like sum of money I had like imagined in my head to the point that I would go online and pick out cars I was going to buy when I turned 16. Like I and like mansions I wanted to live in. Like I was so excited for this like future that he said we would like one day have. And then he would also say things like the world is ending stuff. I now know is a lot of what people like might consider conspiracy kind of thinking, but very like kind of paranoid and fear based, like intense beliefs about like he was very set on the world was ending. And as a kid, I was really scared by that. But it just, he was just like, it's just going to happen. So, yeah. We didn't, like, really do much to prepare for that. <laughs> it was kind of imminent, and I still have nightmares about it. But now my relationship with my dad has, it really changed a lot from the times I've just talked about up until now. As I became more independent he became less involved in my life because he actually didn't end up raising me past the age of like eight. I ended up being raised by other family members and friends of our family. And my dad really tried to stay involved in my life by driving me places and like coming to my sporting events. Like he was so physically present in my life, it felt like. Again, I didn't realize until like going to therapy Um, as an adult, that he wasn't emotionally present in the ways I needed him. I didn't realize that that was something that, like, I had been missing. And hence, I think that is what kind of led me into relationships I'd been in in the past, kind of, like, seeking that person who is emotionally unavailable because that's what I'm used to or that's, like, where I've felt love in the past. And, um, now I've I'm with someone who is like so emotionally available it scares me sometimes like the way he can just like stare into my eyes as I'm telling him like something so deeply painful like I don't know about you guys but it's like I actually see my clients do this sometimes like they'll close their eyes when they're sharing something that's really really scary to share like super vulnerable and so yeah to look someone in the eyes and and have them like be able to receive that is has been life changing to kind of sum it up. I guess I feel like that's what I never got and never will have from my dad. He is now in a uh, like assisted living in a memory care facility because he's just not able to take care of himself. And um, it's really sad. And I'm grieving the loss of him every day. Uh, while he is still alive. It's excruciating because I feel like no one really acknowledges it. Not like I would know necessarily how I would want that acknowledged. Maybe I do, and I'll share that more another time. But it feels like a very lonely experience of grieving 
the loss of someone who's alive. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm very, I very fiercely protect myself, I think, in this place that I'm at in my relationship with him. I try to imagine if my mom were still alive, obviously I wouldn't be having to ask this question if that were the case. Maybe I would. Regardless, if she was alive, how would she be buffering me? The end. Thank you, Sarah. As always, feel like I learn something new about each of you in these in these episodes. So I am grateful to learn more about you through you sharing about your dad. Thank you. I'm so grateful to have this space. I love being heard and seen, feeling heard and seen. And so this, I feel a lot better. And I'm looking at our other two co-hosts, wanting to send them love and tell them it'll it'll be better after <laughs> it's over. Shadia. Yeah, I don't know if I've uh, cried on this podcast yet, but here goes nothing. <laughs> we got you. We got you. We're here for you. Sarah was saying that I've gotten so good at telling my mom's story, which was also so painful to tell in the beginning. And now I'm just really good at it, I'm just going to say, because, you know, I use practice and practice, but I've never really told the story of my dad. So, so my dad is Stan, Stanley, which is a real cute name. Um <laughs> And he grew up in South Dakota in a really small town on a farm. He went to Dunwoody College for mechanics and then ended up in Pipestone, which is where my parents met. And he worked at the vocational school as a mechanics teacher. And my mom was a fashion merchandising teacher there. So that's where they met. And I just wonder if that was a scandalous situation. Not sure. (laughs) (laughs) But my dad, I shouldn't say was, but is, um, he's a good looking man with like kind of like a boisterous personality, laughs a lot, is really fun and outgoing. I feel like I get that from him. Um, I just have to say, I was just thinking, oh, my God. It's like (laughs) you're the female version of your father or what? (laughs) In a lot of ways, I am. Like my charismatic personality is definitely like my dad. The outgoing part, like always want to be like the FOMO, always wanting to be (laughs) at the party and having fun. And, yeah, that's totally my dad. And then my mom was a – she was fun, but she was just a little more controlled per se. But they met at the Votech and he taught there for a while. And then I think once my parents started having kids, he started selling furniture as a furniture salesman on the road. And so he was gone during the week, like Monday through at least Thursday, selling furniture. And so my relationship with him when my mom was alive was, I mean, he was my dad He was present when he was there on the weekends, but like my mom was the main caregiver in our lives and ruled the roost and, you know, did all the cooking and all the planning. And basically she was like my main person. And then my dad would come home on the weekends. And I think for my mom, she was resentful that, you know, she had to take care of us during the week. And my dad would come home and probably just be like excited to be home and not on the road. And it was always kind of this bit of turmoil right away. 
I noticed every time he would come home, it would be kind of like a, them trying to figure themselves out and my dad being happy to be home, but yet like probably just wanting to be back on the road so he didn't have to actually deal with the life of, you know, because when you're on the road, you get to do whatever you want. You get to eat whatever you want. You don't have to like have kids at your ankles, like all the things. So lucky for him, he got that and then he got to come home and then it wasn't probably always what he imagined it being. But he was really fun with us when we were little, like very creative. He probably definitely spent more time with my brother than us because he was more into cars and I don't know, just doing all those things. And then my mom was with us girls. So not to say I didn't have a relationship with him. I definitely did, but it was, I was just more of a mama's girl or whatever. So when my mom got sick, my dad was on the road as well, selling furniture and going to doctor's appointments and having to take care of us and doing all those things. And I can't imagine what that was like for him in that time. He probably just wanted to escape it all, to be honest with you. And I wouldn't say like I probably grew closer to him then. I was probably just more drawn to my mom. When my mom was going to die, people like my dad knew and other people knew. And he was the person who told me that she was going to die like in the hospital, like probably a few days before. And he's the one which I find fascinating because like how terrible to tell your children that they're not going to have their mom. and. My aunt gave me this diary of hers, my dad's sister, and she he was staying with her. I think it was like a month after my mom died. It said she was wondering if she should wake him up, you know, like in the morning or whatever. And she said, Stan commented when I asked him about whether to wake him up. And he said he wakes up at 4 a.m. every morning with the same dream, having to get Hattie to the hospital, get the kids taken care of, work, and he can't go back to sleep. And that broke my heart. That was actually the, one of the first, when I read this, that was one of the first times that I was really empathetic toward my dad because I've been angry because he wasn't physically there, emotionally there for me in high school because he didn't know how to be. But he said that he was actually doing okay and he cried the most in the two months before had he died when they knew her prognosis and had to make plans about my dad and the kids without her. And I just thought like, how how awful were those two months you know, like trying to plan for it. It's so interesting because I am angry at my dad, but I'm so empathetic. At the same time, it's really complicated. And I think that's why this is so hard. I I am frustrated that in high school, I basically raised myself because he had to still provide for our family. And he didn't come to many activities of mine that I wanted. And yet, as an adult now, I'm like, I can't even imagine Nick doing all of that, you know? I don't know. So I think it's really complicated for me. Now that, you know, I'm a grown adult, it's not like we talk that much, but when we do talk, it's good. And I actually saw him yesterday uh, for the first time in a year, or no, not the first time. I, two, I've only seen him once since the pandemic started, um, but I got to see him yesterday and that was really great to just like, catch up and be like physically present with him and just, I don't know, look at people a different way and observe how they're acting. And I don't know. I felt super happy that he was there and around my kids. 
I didn't know we didn't have any meaningful conversation. You know, it was, it was a birthday party. So, you know, we've never really had conversations about my mom. I remind him of my mom a lot. And I think that's really hard for him. And probably in the way that I am controlling and he got controlled by her. And so I don't think he likes that side of her and or me. And that's okay. I appreciate that own side of myself. I love that side of my mom too. And I recognize that it wasn't always great as well. So he has a really hard time sharing his feelings and emotions. And that's probably why I also don't share my emotion with him because I don't want to make him uncomfortable. But I love him very much. And I guess I just say like he did the best he could in the situations that he had. That's all I can say, you know? And he would still do anything for me, I know. So I am really overwhelmed and had no idea that this podcast would bring up so much for all of us. And I had no idea the the work, the emotional work it would be, but I also feel like the healing that is coming from this, the growth that is coming from this, I never would have anticipated that. I'm going to say we're only how many episodes in? This is episode 10. It feels life-changing already to me. I just want to say that to each of you. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I'm like, I've done the work, so now I want to share the work with the world so everyone <laughs> yes. else can do the work and, you know, totally. heal their trauma. I'm all healed up. I don't <laughs> think I'm all healed up, but right. it's very apparent now that, uh, you know, need a little need a little more work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Does the work ever even stop? No. I feel like that's something that I realized. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's still there or all these new things. So yeah, it's like it never stops. Oh, um. My relationship with my father is extremely complicated and very layered and has been for my whole life. As I've mentioned before and everything, uh, him and my mom were never together. Um, After I was born, I was raised as an only child with a single mom. I didn't actually know of my dad, that he existed until I was about five. He made the choice to not be a part of my life for the first few years. And that was um, something that him and I have not chosen to uncover necessarily with one another. And I'm not sure that we ever will. And I'm not sure at this point that it's necessary. So when I was five, I knew that he existed. I started visiting him when I was six. And that was a really, I think, arduous process uh, for my mom because he wanted to be in my life. He realized he wanted to be in my life. And it took a lot of trust from her to know that he would actually show up and be present saying, you want to do this now? Well, then you better, you better fucking do it. Because I have a very specific memory of being five years old in kindergarten and making Father's Day cards. And I literally looked at my teacher and with the most innocent of faces because I was five and I literally did not know that my dad existed, that he was a person. I looked at her and I said, but I don't have a dad. So what should I do? And then she had a conversation with my mom and she apologized to my mom. I remember that, but I remember like being really confused and I wasn't sad, but I was really confused. I was like, 
what's that? What's the, what's father's day? What's, what's that mom? Um, and I remember being sad about it later and I was embarrassed about it later because my friends heard me. I didn't know in the moment to be embarrassed about not having a dad, but I figured out pretty quickly. So I started seeing him when I was six, every other weekend, he lived in Minneapolis, which was kind of nice for me. Cause I grew up in a really small town. So I kind of got like the best of both worlds and you know, we, we'd hang out and do fun things. And I was a kid, like we'd ride bikes. My dad actually taught me how to ride a bike. I was late to the game and I didn't actually learn until I was nine. It got to the point where I was about seven and I just got super embarrassed. I didn't want my mom to teach me because all my friends would see that I still didn't know how to ride a bike. So I tried to teach myself in the basement sometimes, but it didn't work. And my mom, I like overheard her on the phone talking to my dad. Can you please teach her to ride a bike this weekend? She doesn't know. And she's so embarrassed and she just rollers, she rollerblades around everywhere and she just needs to learn how to ride a bike. So he taught me how to ride a bike at the park a few blocks away from where his apartment was. We had experiences like that. We had fun stuff like that. He taught me how to bake. He first started teaching me how to bake when I was like eight. A cheesecake. That was the first thing I ever learned how to bake. He he taught me how to cook. He taught me how to bake. He had a homemade ice cream machine, like an old school one. We'd make homemade ice cream every summer. He had a garden. He taught me how to grow herbs and stuff in the garden. And he had like a cool 90s Mustang car for a while. Uh, but nothing was ever kind of like past that surface level, like fun stuff that you do with your dad when your parents are like divorced. He was never that parent who was emotionally available to me. And I learned later on after talking with him and knowing more about him and his family that he grew up with, that he had a lot of trauma that he went through that showed up in his relationships throughout his life romantically with my mom and how he raised me also discovered when I was a preteen that my dad was an alcoholic as well. And that was another layer of difficulty and mistrust for my mom because she knew these things about him um, and yet wanted him to be in my life and struggled with that, but came to an ultimatum with him at a certain point saying, I can't have her visiting you until you get help. That was really hurtful for my dad, and he said some angry and hurtful things. And that was the first falling out that I remember having with him. And I was about 12. Um, and I was old enough to kind of understand what that was like and to hear that. And it turns out that same year, my dad um, was diagnosed. He had cirrhosis of the liver. So he was an alcoholic, but also he had hepatitis C, which is a disease that attacks the liver. And so that disease paired with the alcohol that he was consuming, um, cirrhosis of the liver. So he, his physical health went downhill really badly when I was about 13. And he was basically forced to get into AA for his physical health. He had to stop drinking, otherwise he would die. And he got put on the list for a liver transplant. So he had a lot of medical issues for about a year, year and a half. And I was as I said, I was 12 and 13 at the time and really coming to understand like cognitively what it meant that like my dad wasn't present in my life for the first few years and how he and my mom, how their relationship was toxic at times and how his anger was reflective in his, how he would talk to me or to her. And I was really resentful 
but also having to navigate supporting him because he could die. And he got a liver transplant, thankfully. Be an organ donor. Everybody put that on your license. Um, I do that all the time every year. Be an organ donor because you can literally save a life. Save my dad's life. So he got a liver transplant and the recovery was long and arduous. I mean, he was in the hospital for months before the transplant and after. And if you've never been around someone who one of their organs is failing, it's really terrifying. Uh, he lost a lot of weight. He was he had jaundice, so he was yellow all over and he wasn't eating. It's it's all it's very interesting to me because I think there's an irony there in that for a couple years of my life, I thought that my dad would die. I thought my dad would die first and that my mom would be around for forever. And I didn't have necessarily a good relationship with him. And I thought about that, like how I would process that. And then he didn't die. And I'm thankful that he didn't die. Don't get me wrong. But it was really hard to repair our relationship after that. And we spent a few years like on and off. Like I wouldn't, I didn't see him for a few years. We were in the middle of another falling out when my mom died when I was 16. Oh my gosh, how traumatic that must have been. I don't think I've ever told anyone this. Maybe my partner, Keith, but I don't think I've ever told anyone this. I purposely did not invite my dad to my mom's funeral. And I have a lot of regret about that. So my dad's relationship with the rest of my family, with my mom's family, was not good, obviously, because of all they had been through. And they all kind of really disliked him very much so and hated how he had hurt my mom and how he'd hurt me. And they didn't trust him at all. No one hid that for me. Even before my mom died, I mean, my mom would never talk shit about him, but I heard other family members talking shit about him. And I heard him talk, I heard them talking shit about him very shortly after my mom died too. And the whole process of who's going to be my guardian and everything. And that was really hurtful to me. I just think that that was wrong. And it made me scared to even have him at the funeral. But I was also navigating my own relationship with him. And we were not on good terms. And I didn't necessarily feel that like at the moment in my 16-year-old, very hurt, traumatized brain that I wanted him there. And I remember, so he had the funeral about two days after my mom died on a Friday. And I went through the whole weekend and I didn't tell him. And I remember it was like Monday or Tuesday. I was sitting in my car after school and I was sitting in the parking lot and I decided to finally call him and tell him. And I sat there in the parking lot and we had like a half hour conversation. And I tried to explain to him why I didn't want him there at the funeral or why I didn't invite him. And like we kind of hung up and he was really hurt. And obviously a few days later, he called me back and he said, you know, I really want to be present there for you in this, like this is a huge loss. And he stepped up emotionally for a time um, and really tried really hard. But that is the one regret that I have in my life is not inviting my dad to my mom's funeral or even telling him that she died when she died. I didn't tell him that she died until days after it happened. And I wish that I would have made choices differently. And I wish that, you know, my family wouldn't have hated him so much or made me feel like they would just hate on him at the funeral. Um, and then they would make it all about him and how terrible of a person he was or something and not about my mom, which is who we were celebrating. And I regret that a lot because they, they loved each other at one point. 
they had a relationship with each other, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have existed. So I think that's something that I've really struggled with in being an adult and repairing that relationship with my dad is understanding that they had a relationship and they loved each other at one point and he did and still does love me very much, even though he's not very good at showing it um, or showing up in an emotional sense when you need him to. But yeah, I don't think I've ever told anyone that. But those are the reasons that I, I didn't tell him that my mom even died until days after it happened. And I didn't live with my dad after my mom died. And that was something that my dad wholeheartedly agreed with. Um, he didn't want me to leave my school or my friends or my activities. And he was very supportive. And I'm always thankful for him for that. And we began to repair our relationship with each other after my mom died. And I think it was this unspoken thing of life is very short. And either we start to repair this relationship now so that it works for us, or we run out of time to do that. And so we went through a lot of like conversations and a lot of fighting and a lot of forgiveness and a lot of letting go of things. Um, and I learned a lot through that process of how to forgive and to let go and especially let go of your expectations of people of who you wanted them to be versus who they are a lot of acceptance and still loving someone um, in spite of those expectations that weren't met and so we we do have a relationship now although it is not very like traditional we're not very close um you know we see each other every once in a while um my dad has continued to have um, plenty of um, physical health issues since he had his liver transplant. I mean, he's still going strong. There's nothing wrong with his liver. He got his transplant in 2006. So what are we? It was 15 years, 15 years, um, which is really incredible um, for liver transplantees. And nothing's wrong with that. But he definitely still has had medical issues and gone downhill and his weight fluctuates a lot. Um, a couple of years ago, he had a series of like mini strokes. And there was an instance where I was going to visit and I found him in his apartment. Um, he had fallen and cracked his head open. I had to call the ambulance. And so very recent and again, traumatic because of how my mom died. It was a lot. So having to do that and I'm an adult now and, you know, he had to go to like, you know, some like rehabilit through some rehabilitation and everything like that. And he's doing all right now. But so very, very recently, we've had a couple um, just of like physical health scares. And mortality is looming like crazy again. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's scary sometimes. Um, and I just I, I just continue to wonder how. How I can navigate. Continuing to support and eventually taking care of this parent who wasn't always there for me to take care of me. And there's a lot of complicated feelings around that. And there's a lot of feelings of loyalty and obligation, but also love and caring, but also some resentment. And that's been present. All of those have been present through my whole life, navigating my relationship with him. Our relationship is just fine now. Um, our birthdays are very close together. So we both have recently had a birthday. We're going to go out to lunch with each other this week and 
that's typically what we do. And it's, it's going to be great. Um, he's invited to, uh, my wedding next summer. Of course. Um, I want him to be there in a certain capacity. And I think navigating like the wedding and things in my adult life, I understand, um, and I'm drawing boundaries around what I want to include. So for example, I don't intend to have anyone walk me down the aisle, um, or have any traditional like first dances just because that is not what my relationship looks like with my dad or with anyone else in my family. And that's okay. I'm not really sure that I mourn the loss of those traditional things in my life. I've mourned the loss, the on again, off again loss of my dad throughout my childhood and my adult life. And I think I am preemptively bracing myself as I kind of have been for a while, bracing myself for this preemptive loss of my dad that has almost happened a few times. And I wonder how that's going to continue to show up for me and within my relationship with him. I want to just acknowledge when you're talking about the pain of not including your dad with the news of your mom's death and inviting him to the funeral. I I don't have that same experience, but I definitely have moments that I look back on. And I know that you are so beautifully aware of who you are and who you were when you were that girl. I guess I just want to say out loud that I believe you did the best for yourself with the skills that you had at that time. And I want to honor that girl that you were and know, and I believe, and I, I, I know, I know, you know, I do know, you know, deep inside that, that, that choice was, um, that was right for you at that time. And I hope you can give yourself grace and forgiveness and know that you're so loved, even in that painful memory and that painful time. And I'm sure it sounds like your dad offered that to you as well. Even shortly after it happened, it sounded like he offered that to you too. And I'm grateful for that. Coming from the angle of boundaries, because Aaron, you are like such a boundary queen. Mm. And when you tell that story, like I, you know, I can see and hear the emotion just like pouring through you because of how it felt, but how it looks from the outside is you setting, as Christina is saying, like some really like spectacular boundaries for yourself, whether you were aware of that's what you were doing at the time. You were listening to your, you know, your intuition. And, and I think that's why we talk about this comes up a lot in our conversations. Again, this idea of like duality or like people can set boundaries for themselves that hurt other people. And that's okay. Like you did what you needed to do for you and that's what's most important and that hurt your dad and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's not your fault. I wonder if in a way though that inspired you to want to be closer to him later Mm -hmm. to try to create some sort of repair. I think that's where a lot of relationships do grow and like become closer is like when there is a rupture and, and then a desire to repair you're absolutely right, Sarah. That was a huge, um, a huge moment for me in a realization and repairing that relationship. Also, thank you for what you guys just said. 
as you said, Christine, I, I know deep down in my logical adult Aaron, healthy boundary brain that the decisions I made were protective and they were the best thing for me in the moment. Um, but it is nice to be validated and to be respected in those decisions. So thank you for saying that. Thank you all so, so much always for your willingness to share so openly and vulnerably. There seem to be a lot of themes here, even though our stories are all very different. You know, just a few things that come to mind are some role reversal with feeling like we have to parent our fathers or protect them. Felt felt like protecting them came up a lot. Obviously, the lack of emotional connection that it sounds like all of us experienced. And it got me really thinking, too, about how that relationship with our fathers and, and, you know, I think all of us know this from the own work we're doing in our lives that, you know, those initial relationships with our parents, it's the model for how we are going to be in relationship really for the rest of our lives. Um, And so obviously this relationship with our fathers, especially after our mothers have died, it's essential in modeling what relationships are going to be for us and how we're going to show up in them and what is expected of us. And I think for all of us, there's been a lot of hardship that's come with with that and challenges that we're all navigating in our own ways to really break some patterns that were negative and and do differently, do better um, in our relationships with the people who are important to us now in our lives. There's so much more here that I think we could talk about, uh, but our time is coming to a close. Does anyone have anything else they want to add? I guess I just want to emphasize one more time because I'm looking, you know, our listeners can't see us right now. They can hear the vulnerability coming through, but I am just, you know, I'm looking at, you know, everyone's faces and I'm seeing just like how intense of an experience this was. And... I feel like I'm always commenting on the process of things, but it's like, I didn't expect this to be as hard of an episode as it was. I don't know if others would agree, but I feel like this is the most emotional episode. Well, I guess, Christine, you had a more emotional experience in a previous episode. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. I... I'm feeling the need to end with something. I wasn't planning on this, but before we started, we were briefly talking about our dads and I just was saying that it's really been the most challenging relationship in my life. And I do also see the good that I've taken from my father. And I feel like Aaron, you actually did a really beautiful job of, of creating image around that for us about some really great experiences that you had with your dad. So thank you for that. But I'm wondering if we would all be willing to share gratitude, something we're grateful for, for our dads or regarding our dads um, as we close. Does that feel good to everyone? Can we do that? feel good. 
I'm so happy you said this because I was feeling self-conscious. Like I just said all this negative stuff. I didn't even say my dad's name. I'm like, he has no identity. He is just the person who (laughs) made my life harder. (laughs) My dad's name is David. He is awesome. Um, He was like so cool before I was born and when I was a kid. And now that he's not cool anymore, he actually still has like a coolness about him despite like all of his ailments, like physical and mental. It's just a really fun, goofy, clever guy. And I'm really grateful. I tell him this. I've told him this my whole life. And this kind of breaks my heart, too, because I've I've really meant it. It's like, you're the best dad in the whole world. You know, those cards and you spell all the words wrong. And uh, But I really do still feel like in my heart, like I know in my brain, he was not the best dad, you know, and he wasn't even a dad a lot of the time in like the traditional sense. But in my heart, like he has given me more love than, um, hmm, I just, I've never felt more loved. And I know I could, like, I feel like I probably said that about my mom too, but I have more memories with my dad. My dad makes me feel like I'm adored. I don't mean to brag. Like I'm just saying, like he makes me feel very special. And that's like, it's it's incredible, but it's also uh, brainwashing because I like have this like sense that I'm like really special now, which I know I am, but like, I feel like I expect to be adored. So adore me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Brainwashing. <laughs> I would say that my dad really taught me the joy of life and how to create the best out of any experience. We spent a lot of time boating and we have so many stories of ridiculousness that happens when you're boating, you know, and he took us on like on a three week week road trip. So like, even though there were a lot of hard times in life, he showed me how to persevere and how to create joy and experiences even in the hardest times. And so I've definitely done that with my family, just going on like a three month road trip earlier this year that like life is short and you never know when it's going to end and just to make the most of it. Um, so I think that's what my dad has taught me the most. And I am grateful for that. I'm grateful that that my dad never pressures me to be anyone or to do anything. And he is the most supportive adult parent figure in my life for that reason. He's never pressured Keith and I to get married, for me to have kids, for me to graduate college in a certain time. He's 100% on board with me being exactly who I am. And I have never been more grateful for that than where I am right now in my life. I'm also really grateful that my dad is my go-to for when I want to see a horror movie. (laughs) The only person in my life that loves him as much as I do. So I'm very grateful that he's the one I can call when there's a new horror movie out and I want to go see it. So I am grateful for my dad's love of singing and musicals, because I definitely um, share that passion with him. And I also love that he showed me 
the importance of bringing people together um, through shared meals and gatherings, sometimes for no reason at all. I just, I feel like I've gained wisdom and understanding about relationships and, um, and forgiveness too. The importance of that, not only for him, but for myself. I just want to thank everyone for listening this week. And thank you again to each of you. You're really incredible humans and co-hosts. And I'm going to acknowledge again your, your willingness to be open and vulnerable. I have to believe it's not only meaningful me, meaningful to me and for each of us, but certainly to our listeners as well. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We release new content every other Tuesday. In our next episode, we'll be exploring how the loss of our moms has impacted our intimate relationships. You can listen wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also find us at piecesofyoupodcast.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Pieces of You Podcast. If you love our pod, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We would so appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. And remember, if we work together, we can make the broken better. When you feel like you need glue to put back pieces of you, then we will work together to make the broken better. When the wounds are fresh and new and you don't think that they